Hello, everyone. We are here to talk about a very special artist and a very special album. But before we do that, we have a very special guest joining us. Um, Veronica, why don't you introduce yourself slash brief help introduce since uh, you two are friends. We are famously friends. We um, are. We've been friends for many years, in fact, since we were like seventh grade drama club compatriots. It's really, oh my yeah, goodness. It's a journey. Were you immediately friends or was it a bit of rivalry? I think we were friends. <laughs> I would say so. I, I remember very little. I did. Um, I, I, I think I remember spending a, a very concerted amount of effort trying to like enter into you and Katie and like Ray's friend group. <laughs> Just like full wow. disclosure, I was like, perhaps I'll linger around these lockers for a while. <laughs> That's um, hilarious to me. Yeah. You know, it's like, you got to go where the cool nerdy book kids go. <laughs> And that's that was my journey. That was my story. Yeah. Um. So beyond my friendship with Rafe, I, <laughs> I don't not not very much qualifies me to be on this podcast. Other than that, I enjoy Taylor Swift's music, and I've become a bit of a defender of hers. Um, oh, we love it. Oh, you might have to defend her from people on this very podcast, to be honest. Oh, I did listen. I listened to the first episode. I'm, I'm familiar. So how did you come to Taylor Swift and why this album in particular? I was, she was definitely like in the periphery of my world pretty much since she started making music just because I was like a tween girl at the time. Um, mm-hmm. So I knew all of the hit singles, but really started listening um to 1989 when that came out and that just like powered me through senior year of high school like so many memories of listening to like wildest dreams in the car while my friends were driving um so and then sort of dipped out for reputation came back during lover and have just been a fan since um this album in particular i actually listened to for the first time about a month ago Mm -hmm. um after evermore came out i was like it's finally time i'm gonna like figure out what i missed before 1989 um and this one is just kind of like full of bangers it's really like (laughs) i've been listening to dear john a lot and i'm like in a relationship i have no (laughs) (laughs) there's nothing in dear john that should speak to me so um why don't we introduce this album speak now which is taylor swift's third studio album and it was recorded from 2009 to 2010 and released on October 25th of 2010 Uh, and it was written entirely by her and co-produced with her and Nathan Chapman who we have heard produce her first two albums and I was going through some of the interviews about this era and I found two contrasting ones which I thought were interesting because she did one with the Wall Street Journal in 2010 where she said it originally was inspired by circumstance I would get inspired to write a song at 3 30 in the morning there's no co-writer around which is you know just kind of her joking with the interviewer being young and trying to please people and then I read another one from Rolling Stone in 2019 where she was looking back on the era and she said I've had several upheavals in my career when I was 18 they were like she doesn't really write those songs so my third album I wrote by myself as a reaction to that so there is definitely a pointed, uh, pointed effort to prove her songwriting skills, even though we have seen with the past ones that she's clearly out there doing it. She's clearly the one writing all of the songs. Uh, the album had six singles, Mine, Back to December, Mean, The Story of Us, Sparks Fly, and Ours. Uh, and 
she was really focused on creating a cohesive album with this one. Perfect. I was looking through um, the track list because I was like, I surely have heard, you know, a song or two off this. And it is, in fact, one song, I think, that I have heard off of this album. That's the same back thing to with December. me. Oh, oh different really? song. Okay. I've heard, heard back me. To December. I was going to guess me. I, I'm surprised. Love back to December. I found myself singing it the other day, Just Ren. I think I was thinking about the, the podcast, but I was like, like, and I was like, what is what is this? It's why is it why is it such a jam while I'm like cleaning snow off my car? Anyways, ooh, this is auspicious. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But how about you, Veronica? What are you looking forward to on on this listen slash what advice or things to look forward to <laughs> do you have for Brief and Emily? I guess I'll say as my little teaser. Um, so when I was listening, as I said, to the first four albums last month. Um, I went into it, I was like, I'm going to have a fun, flirty time. It's going to be like a little <laughs> silly. I'm going to feel like 15. It's going to be great. Um, and by the time I got halfway through this album, I started to feel like profoundly sad and also <laughs> angry. <laughs> and so I would say I don't want to like taint your first listen too much. Um, but I think this album is like so encompassing of so many like flashpoints in Taylor's career um and like things that are very close to my heart like issues of like feminism and also like the narrative storytelling of her songwriting so I'm just excited to listen to it again I've been listening to it like I haven't really been listening as much to any of the other three albums um but I just keep coming back to speak now so any more comments before we uh, adjourn? No. Well, no? I don't think you should wait. I think you should speak now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's start our discussion on yeah. Taylor Swift's third album, Speak Now. Immediate thoughts. Wow. I'll say that um, it was not until the back half half of the album that I was sold on this album. Um, <gasps> I know, I know. Hmm. I, I think, I think, um, some, some certain comments about Dear John have been made prior to this segment of the podcast. And I'll say that I won't, I won't empathize with them. <laughs> um, <laughs> not to shock the viewers at home. It um, really is <laughs> a scientific phenomenon that you were, you were, you were born without a heart. That's what I remember, right? <laughs> you were born without any that heart whatsoever. That is true, yes. Um, I'm like, how can you say that about the, the song on the album? The Every song. song on the album links back to Dear John. Unfortunately, I, it's I have not. like a whole, I can write a dissertation on the importance of Dear John. I this this is the dissertation. This is about to be the dissertation. Wow. So, um, Ray's opinion. But that's what I'll say. The back half was, was good for me. You know, we only really need three people on this podcast. You don't have to do that <laughs> if you don't want to. <laughs> I'll also I bring say, all the same. Yeah. I, I, you know, Amherst High School. You know, yeah, I can, yeah, I can right. fill all that in. Yeah, you, you got it. I'll just, I'll just check out now. Um, I will say that I was very impressed by the production yeah. of this album. I thought they were playing around with a lot of new um, textures, and like also like Taylor herself is playing around. It seems to me like she's playing around with a lot more like vocal textures, like doing different 
things with her voice and yeah, songs, different backing really vocals too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I was actually really impressed by her vocal performance on this album. Me too. Me too. I had a range of emotions and reactions to this album. Um, there are some moments where I was listening to this and I said, I don't, I don't know, like maybe I'm just missing something. And sometimes I was like, I have a lot of thoughts about this. Um, and so I was like, yeah, that got me that, that, that hit me, you know? Um, and so it's a very, uh, varied album for me. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely not the one I have the least opinions about. Um, <laughs> um, well, actually, funny, and I think might make for a, a good but also heated podcast, is I much prefer the, the front half of the album to the back half. Um, oh, I agree. Con contrast to Rave. So. Delicious. I strong um, agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, even, even the songs in the last half of the album when I was listening you know, the more I listened to them, the more I was like, I see what she's doing here and how it fits into the whole album. So generally very positive reaction. Yeah, I I agree. In general, it was a positive reaction. One of my first things that I noticed, I was like, I feel like this is peak brattiness from her. There was a certain... <laughs> <laughs> but in general, I thought the album was just so much... The lyrics were so much more poetic than anything she's done in the mm -hmm. past, there was a lot of great yeah. internal rhyme and, and alliteration. Um, you know, she always has these wonderful bridges, but now she also is adding on with these fantastic outros on a lot of songs. And what I thought was so fantastic about the lyrics was that they were so much more pithy. Like, before she might mm. have a whole verse about one instance, but now she can get that into even a single line and tell a whole emotional arc. Um, and I think that's perhaps best personified or best exemplified in the in the in the very first track of the album in mind so why don't we get into that song rave i guess hates it because he has no taste no i heart. didn't hate it <laughs> i liked it i liked it i think it has very similar vibes to um fearless actually which tracked for me because i feel like they just have a very similar energy i think she sounds really good on the song i think that it's very well structured in terms of like the use the usage of the choruses um like the reversal of the speaker and then i don't know like she she does a kind of a her classic thing of like the quiet like final chorus into the build yeah cetera, it does this is one of those great like kind of chorus kind of outro moments because yeah you, she builds and builds and you think you're gonna get another one of those choruses where she sings do you remember we were sitting by the water but it builds and it goes into this hold on make it last which mm -hmm. um, I'll talk about in a little bit. But I thought that was a nice change because she set up the expectation for you to get another big grand chorus, but you're actually kind of getting a, maybe an outro, maybe a chorus part two, but it's definitely something that's very hooky and very, it's filled with emotion, filled with that burning desire for this thing to last. Yes, she does sound fantastic in this song. I also love how this is the first album that starts off not with an instrument, but just with her acapella voice. And I thought that was so fitting for an mm. album called Speak Now to start just mm. with her voice to, to bring oh, us oh, in. Oh, oh, oh. oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Slow it down. You basically got a <laughs> Hannah Montana transition. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, my, one, my one thing about the song, if you if you need me to be the villain, I'll be the villain. I was sort you're of You're the like... Simon Cowell of the podcast. <laughs> I hope you know. No, I don't want that. <laughs> Never say that to me again. Um... I was a little confused about the narrative of this song because um, I feel like it's like 
trying to evoke like small town girl next door vibes at the same time as it's trying to evoke like big city like we met in the real world vibe like the he's he like moved away from his small town are they from the same town did they meet after he left I was just sort of like I don't know if this all tracks for me I originally at first listened to this one was like I'm I feel like it's getting maybe like a little muddled in like where we are or like where where they're being referred to but I feel like what I ended up landing on is that there's just like this very um ever-present mixing of like the past influences the past experiences and how that's informing the future and their present Mm. and so because of that it inherently seemed to make sense that there is this both uh inclusion of small town and growing up and uh, referencing her parents and like their relationship and then talking about how they're in the city life which I feel like is a theme throughout all of the album this kind of transition from small town living with your parents to going to a big city being on your own what that means relationship wise what it just means for yourself what it means in relation to your parents um, and so I felt like it was actually a very good introductory number in that way for a very big theme of the album which is where it physically kind of you are in life and like how Mm -hmm. that uh changes the way you view things yeah i was gonna say the exact same thing which is like (laughs) i see this whole album as like taylor's loss of innocence album Mm. and i think like what's interesting about this one is you can kind of see that she's trying to grow up but all of the images in the song are these kind of like cliches that you might like imagine love is going to be like when you grow up so she's like oh I'm going to like have a drawer at your place and like we're not going to make the same mistakes as our parents and like we have bills to pay but she's like like I don't know what bills she's supposed to be paying Um, and sort of like this is like the innocent beginning of the loss of innocence album yeah I love that yeah I I absolutely agree and um this is a song about reflection and I really like that she used the imagery of looking in the water to physically capture that theme of reflecting. Um, And originally, you know, when she's looking in the water, she's sort of like looking in the small town. And then the next time the chorus comes around, she's looking in the water and she's seeing the reflection of the city lights. So it's sort of like her dream is shifting. What she's reflecting upon is shifting as her gaze gets broader and broader. Um, I also just think this is one one of those, like I was talking about earlier, this is one of those songs that is so poetic and so pithy. Like every single line is kind of focusing on a different letter. Like she has like, I was a flight risk with a fear falling and she's using all of the F's um, to emphasize the feeling of flight or in the chorus, she's focusing on the R's um, where she's, you know, do you remember we were sitting there by the water? You put your arm around me and there are all these internal R's and it's most prominent in my favorite line of the song where she says, you made a rebel of a careless man's careful daughter, mm-hmm. which is, I think, mm-hmm. honestly, one of the best lyrics of her career. It is so <laughs> concise, but it tells the story about these three people and has it kind of gives them all an arc and all, and it has, it continues the theme of all the R's. It has the internal rhyme and mm-hmm. it is, it's a sort of line that everybody dreams about writing where it's, <laughs> it's music, it's musically perfect. It's fun to sing. And it also tells a whole story in and of itself. I also noticed that this is, you know, she's trying to stick with these small town type of love stories, but this is the part of her career where she's singing about actual celebrities that people would know. And so I feel like in general, you know, there's a big exception, but in general, she's singing less and less about specific names. And I think she's supplementing that with times. This is one of the times where she um, 
references a specific time of day. And I think that's a way of including specificity instead of just saying, and this is when I was dating right. Joe Jonas or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, not trying to blow their spot up. So I don't know. That was something I noticed in this song that would continue through the album. I just love the quarter note accents that they do in the chorus. Um, like on the, for the first time, um, and the, that's ever been mine. It's just very exciting to me. Yes. Those are fantastic. Those are the sort of accents that we've seen um, as early as, as songs like Should Have Said No. And she's really honed when to use those to emphasize the right emotions. Um, yeah. Something she's also used in the past are these sort of um, falling lines. Like in Fearless, we talked about how it sort of walks down this scale. Um, and we have something similar after it, the bridge where she sings, I'll never leave you alone. And she has a falling line, but it's... um. And not only is it just a beautiful vocal performance where it's breathy and ethereal, it also, it's um, working with triplets, so a new rhythmic feel that she doesn't often work with, and it's more of a complicated falling line. It's like maybe playing on the metaphor that it, the way she falls in love is starting to get more and more complicated, especially when she's dealing with celebrity and growing out of innocence. Um, and finally, the thing I loved, you know, I started talking about earlier was this, this hold on outro, and I love how the hold on sort of means you know, you want to hold on to, um, you're like clinging on to this relationship and you're also kind of wanting to hold on to the past and, and the things that you're reflecting on. Um, and you're also saying, hold on, like, wait, 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 I'm, I'm not ready to grow this fast. Like, just just give me a moment. Like, there's so many things that those hold ons mean and it's just a fantastic introduction to the album. So do you want us to talk about Sparks Fly? So, well, here's what I've, here's what I've written. Okay, Simon. Um, I've written... <laughs> <laughs> she's like, remember when I said I was being careful? Just kidding. I'm still craving toxicity. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's it's going sort of back to the same. And she has another song on this album that kind of, I, I feel like this is her, you know, one of one of her like love story kind of, one of one of the love songs that she writes is the one that's like, mm, I don't know what it was about this relationship, but it was just so there was something kind of, you know, dirty about. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, well, um, even the, yeah, the opening, the yeah. openings, yeah. the opening line sets the stakes so high where right. you're you're a full on rainstorm, and I'm a house of cards. You know, she's not just a house in yeah. a storm; she's a full on like house of cards, which makes her yeah very Fragile. very vulnerable and yeah. um, subject to. Mm, toxicity as you said and yeah. I think I think you're hitting on something very true that you get this yeah. is the only song that wasn't written for this album the song was actually written before she released her very first single so this is an old wow. fan favorite that they just kept pressuring please just put out Sparks Fly we love Sparks Fly so by the time she got mm. to her third album she's like here's the song but I think it really captures a lot of the emotions that we heard on the first two albums where it wasn't yeah. so much about fostering the most healthy communication or relationships yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to add on to that and say I do think it fits really well in this album as a kind of, like, set up to Dear John. Yeah, I know. My dissertation. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, please. Like, this is the kind of in-between between, between um, mine and Back to December where she's like, I'm still innocent, but what if I wasn't? <laughs> and, like, there are all these kind of, like, interesting, still the kind of, like, cliches, like, like leading me up the staircase and like kissing in the rain, and she kind of like shines away from like 
<laughs> she is. And she's kind of like shying away from like the more adult aspects. Like the line, you yeah. touch me once and it's really something really made me laugh. I was like, <laughs> uh, wait, sure, I guess it is really something. <laughs> 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 like, um, but she yeah, wrote it when she was 16, was... all right? <laughs> <laughs> and like you can tell, and I think it works because it, it is yeah. still that like innocence line. Um, it is that innocence, but. In a way, I also think it's so interesting that this is the one that she saved for this album because it's much more commanding and authoritative than the other times she's talked about these tropes. You know, she's not just being led up the staircase or being kissed. She's telling this person, you do this to me. Like, I'm telling you, I want this, and you are going to do this to me now. Lead me up the staircase. Kiss me in the rain. I insist. So in many ways, she's revisiting those things, but doing with um, doing it with a lot more agency than she has in her past. Would you say that she's speaking now? <laughs> I would. <laughs> I will say I do like its inclusion on this album, particularly for the line in the chorus. Give me something that'll haunt me when you're not around. And then we get haunted later on. I thought that was a very nice um, yeah. setup. Um, and I particularly, I, I have a lot of thoughts on haunted to bring up when we talk about that. But um, in thinking about this kind of, uh, through line that we can find through songs like Sparks Fly, The Way I Loved You, um, Haunted. I think that there's some interesting, um, there's an interesting narrative being set up. Yeah, and I think that is also what attaches uh, her listeners to her discography because, you know, by the third album, you're really starting to see these stories unfold and you're going back to the same moments that you've you've seen in the past but you're seeing it through a new lens and you can really mm. start to emote with her and like you're growing as she's growing and you are also seeing those experiences through a new lens so I think that is part of what uh attaches listeners to her so strongly just that yeah she's she's able to create parallel imagery and parallel moments that you can create your own story behind um that's pretty much everything I wanted to say about the song I also I, I just want to add that this is another one where she uh has some fantastic alliteration when she sings, you know, um, you're the kind of reckless that should send me running or get me with those green eyes. It's another time that she's just so, she's employing so many more poetic devices than she would have in her previous songs. And again, I also connected this song to Dear John just because of like the sparks connecting to the fireworks later. But um, oh yeah, we'll, I, I'll, I'll say that for your dissertation, but I will say I'm very much on the same <laughs> wavelength as you. Um, moving on then to back to December. Um, my first note is, wow, we got some fantastic strings for Emily. So. <laughs> I loved the strings. I'm so happy to hear them. I will say, I, I came in very excited with the strings. What did get me a bit um, less excited was just the one note melody. I don't, it's just not my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, and not one note in like a, in like a figurative sense, like a literal, like one note yes. melody um just to be clear uh i don't know it's just it's just not something that i find as engaging um that said it was uh one that i realized was like deeply embedded in my memory and i completely forgot that i ever heard it and then i like heard it again listened and i was like oh my gosh i've definitely listened to this on the radio like not knowing what the song was and just like it's been in the background um it's fine. It's good. <laughs> I yeah. really like this song. This Me is one too. of my favorite ones on the front half of the album, which famously I 
Why not polarize us? Famously, I hate the front half of the album. It's the worst. But I really do like. (laughs) I do like this song, Um, and I actually think that the one note melody is very compelling with the chord progression that she utilizes in um, just the yeah the and just the like downward progression is just like mm, delicious. For music theory nerds, we might call that oblique motion, where one note stays the same (laughs) and the uh, the harmony moves in a a different direction. So one person, you might say, is staying in one place and the other is moving away. Maybe that fits into the narrative. Goodness. Oh. Oh. Mm. Wow. (laughs) So I'll I'll, I'll bring in a little of the the Taylor Swift's history um, and say that I think... Narr- like in in the narrative of her actual life, this is like about her last relationship before John Mayer, and so it does kind of fit into the like I'm I'm yearning for the past before I like did this bad thing. Um, yeah, wow. and I just think turns out freedom ain't nothing but missing you is like one of the best lines on this album. Yeah. Um, oh yes, there's so many. I had a hard time actually just um doing my listening through this album because every song, well, um, pretty much every song just hit me so profoundly and it, it put me in a different memory and a different emotional place. And then I was just like, I was stuck there listening to that song. And this is one of the ones where the turns out free to make nothing but missing you. And I was like, okay, I wasn't ready for that. I mean, I know what songs I was listening to, but I wasn't ready for that today. Okay. Um, uh, and I don't know there. I thought there were a lot of fantastic things happening in this song, you know, it starts off in media res where, uh, again, it's another very cinematic song where she says, I'm so glad you made time to see me. It's almost like a script. And then she starts to add this distance from this moment where she switches to second person. You've been good, busier than ever. And she starts to get further and further away from this interaction. Um, I thought that was a fantastic, um, lyrical choice. Um, just kind of going hodgepodge through my list, uh, in the, chorus the first chorus they introduce this guitar tremolo effect that continues through the song and it reminded me of seeing like ripples in the water almost like the water that we were introduced to in mine and sort of like you know like the ripple effect like you have this one moment and then you can't really control how it like things grow from there and how it affects other things there's a part where she says you know i think about the summer all the beautiful times and you have this like this magical plucky guitar that comes in um to transport you back to when things were actually happy and beautiful before we went into the winter. Um, Talking about the strings, talking about the violin, in the bridge, she uses a technique that I don't think we've really heard from her before. Um, Usually her strings are melodic, but this time we have these cascading arpeggios, so it's sort of hitting the notes of the chord one at a time and going in a downward pattern. Um, And that is used to accent the most important parts of the part of the the lyrics that she's singing so accents i miss your text and we have one of these arpeggios and i miss your sweet talks and every single one of them is like they're little jabs in the heart and she's watching things fall to pieces around her just like the chords are falling to pieces around her um she gives us one of her classic quiet versions of the chorus before we get a full version of the chorus and i think she just sounds so uh so incredible there. I mean, many of these times that she does something like that, it's to make her sound more vulnerable. And I think this was really one of the best uses of that. And you really hear her screwing up her courage, but being so afraid of the response that she's going to get. And then when we enter this last chorus, we get one huge church bell and it sounds like a death knell in the relationship. And we get the 
you get the church bells later at Haunted, but here's just the one to really signify that this relationship is in fact dead. And I thought it was so cinematic and, and dramatic and, and, and beautiful. And I, I really loved so much about this song. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say, I feel like one of the things that makes this <clears throat> song work for me is that it just like the accumulation of all these like really small moments that fill you with like a deep regret, you know, like they're just like the thing about like not texting someone on their birthday or like just all these like small, easy things that you can do, but like you choose yeah. not to that, you know what I mean? It's like, there's nothing. So, I mean, obviously like there was clearly a, um, instigating moment of this relationship kind of going south, but like from then on, I think just all the small things that you're like, oh, I guess, I guess I could have just done that and it would have been easier, but then I didn't, you know, yeah. I don't know. Like I think the overthinking and of you it can all, you can um, like chart yourself poignant. becoming strangers or going away from each other. Yeah, absolutely. We can't go back, but I will say that we can go on but let's to go uh, <laughs> to yeah. our title track. Speak Now, which provided some very nice levity in between two very heavy, dramatic songs. Absolutely. Um, I would never have guessed that in all our conversations of Taylor Swift's specificity, that the specific setting of Speak Now would be objecting to a wedding. <laughs> <laughs> it's such an audacious song. It's a really like, a, I, a wish fulfillment <laughs> song. <laughs> like, my goodness, it definitely definitely took me aback for a moment. <laughs> I know, I was like, I did like kind of poke at it last week. I was like, what do you think this album title is referring to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, probably just being like, no, I'm a good songwriter. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out she was like, I'm ready to tell this bride her gown looks like a fucking <laughs> like, That was the first time I wrote down the word bratty. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, was, um, it was a very uh, interesting one. I like, uh, or not I like, but I find very interesting um, that uh, she says uh, she's not the kind of girl who should be barging in like this, implying that there is a type of girl who's the kind to barge into a wedding and be like, no, 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 I know. No, no, don't ask me you how know I know. Girls. Even though you're here ready to marry this person, I know you probably don't want to, yeah. you know? It's never a good idea. Let's, if anybody's unclear, never do this. <laughs> never works out. Um I don't know. I was. I, I would just say. I would say it's definitely a wish fulfillment song. But I, I read it as so campy that she's kind of poking fun at herself, Absolutely. and that it's not like mm-hmm. a, a really serious wish. That it, you know, it's not a dramatic song. It's it's very playful, and I don't think she's actually saying yeah. I really want yeah. to interrupt this wedding. It's just sort of like yeah. a cute little thing that plays in her head. I do think it is kind of funny. Like I like. The album title speak now but like it doesn't really as only said like it doesn't really make sense that it connects back to this um but i do see the kind of like campy vibes um i did note that the the backing vocals on the chorus the like yeah. kind of like ooh, 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 is like it kind of like adds to the fantasy it's almost like she like <gasps> charges into the wedding and the church band is like should we start singing with her and they like start being her <laughs> yeah. little backing vocals and i was yeah. like that's kind of yeah. fun it's a little story very i can hear i'm so yeah. yes um hairspray fans out there. i said the exact same thing it's so like like it's a very like 60s rock and roll like mm-hmm. it kind of gives me like be my baby vibes yeah. where you can like yeah you can literally see those backing singers come up with their little round mics and their matching dresses <laughs> doing little cute choreography and i think that's her saying like this is 
not something to be taken seriously whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Like even in my dream, it's very fantastical, and I like I don't think this would ever happen. But I I it took me to that exact same fantasy. Um, before she gets there, though, I really like there's you know it builds up the intimacy when she plays those first opening notes on the guitar. You can you can literally hear her like knocking on the guitar and it's like, she could literally be there in that moment, like standing in the pews playing the guitar. It's a very not polished take. (laughs) And I think, you know, it parallels the underdog narrative of her own career and starting just on her guitar with the underdog narrative in the song. Um, Mm. And, you know, her voice is very, it's left very exposed. There's not a lot of processing on it until she gets to the word daydream. And then it's just a wash and reverb. And then you, enter this land of harmony and, and, and backup singers and in my imagination wearing matching dresses. It, it's, it's, I don't know, there's, there's a lot of nice um, text painting things. So like the music is matching what she's saying. She says the, arg- the organ starts to play a song that sounds like Death March. And we, when, when she sings that, you hear the organ in the background start to play Pachapel's Canon very quietly. She goes through this whole fantasy. And then when she says, um, all eyes on me and then a horrified looks, it switches back to this very intimate sound with just her and her guitar. And it really zooms back in on this, on the spotlight on her. And you can just feel her like building up her strength and all of that anxiety and all of the focus being on her. And she's kind of sucked out of the fantasy for a moment as she gets that attention. Um, I don't know. It's kind of a corny song, but I'm also, it's, it's really, I think it's cute. I don't think it's taking itself very seriously and I, I enjoy it. Um, yeah. I, I'm not going to reveal what it is yet, but uh, this was not originally the title track. This was sort of a, a backup pick that she went with. So mm-hmm. drama scandal. So maybe you could think of what else might've been the original track. I don't know. And when we get to it, well, you know, I'll let you know. So we haven't gotten into it yet. Oh, gosh. Well, that eliminates <laughs> three songs. <laughs> I actually named the song. Um, it's actually just called Revenge. <laughs> it's named actually, Pastry. Be- yeah, Better Than Revenge would be an excellent album name. I disagree. I so. She's really messed out. Taylor, if you're listening. Better Than Revenge is um, by far my least favorite song on this record. So I would... I would be uh, loath to think that she would name it after that song. I have mixed feelings about Better Than Revenge, but um, I do think it, yeah, like like as the, you know, if it's an album about like, you know, all the, the way that people have sort of like looked down on her and told her that she's not good enough. She's like, I'm going to write this whole song, this whole album, like every single song I'm going to write it myself. And that's, that's Better Than Revenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she could have right, just yeah. named it mean too. She's pretty mean. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but let's, okay, you know what? We put off the the thesis long enough. Let's get into Dear John. Uh, please take the floor, Dear Veronica. John. Okay, so as I said earlier, I think this is like the center of the album in many ways, just in terms of like the arc. This is like kind of the inciting incident for me. Um, I think it's really interesting. I think this song starts way quieter than all the ones that we've heard before and it really kind of like draws attention to itself in that way like like here is the emotional crux pay attention Mm -hmm. um and so I just think I mean I have a lot of feelings about this song because like it's about John Mayer she was 19 and he was 32 Mm -hmm. and like the way that when you look back at Taylor Swift's career and people were like oh like silly Taylor she's like writing all those songs about those boyfriends and like so embarrassing that she would just like write about her boyfriends I'm like he was abusing her. Like, 
if you listen to the lyrics in the song, it's like so heartbreaking. She's like, I'm like tiptoeing around him. Like I never know who he's gonna be. Like I'm like, like Counting don't the you think steps. I was? Yeah. yeah, like literally, like she's like, I'm like acing your tests. Like all the girls that you dated before have lifeless eyes because you burned them out. And like, then literally the like, don't you think I was too young to be messed with? Like all of that. I'm like, I can't believe all of like the misogynist society sat back and were like, this girl kind of sucks. I'm like. this is the song like I said in the intro like I started to get angry I was like I can't believe Taylor was treated this way when this is the song that she wrote like Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just have so many feelings and also like the way that she keeps repeating like I should have known um like forcing herself to kind of like be the grown-up that everyone wants her to be even though she's literally 19 and like how could you have possibly known but then I do like that she flips it at the end to you should have known, like kind of taking back that power um, as we move through the rest of the album. Um, Ooh, I just, just got chills. <laughs> I'm getting chills. <laughs> one final pin in it. Um, I really like the line, I took your matches before fire could catch um, as kind of a callback to Sparks Fly. It's like that's where the relationship is starting and the sparks are, you know, the mm. fire might start. But then she kind of like snatches away before it gets yeah. too out of hand. Beautiful round of applause. Anyway, race. I want to fight. <laughs> You've sold me. No, You've yeah, sold me. I, I, I was like that. I absolutely. Before we go to rape being heartless and fighting with you, I, I, hundred percent. I just said I was sold. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> I, I, now I just, ahead, I Daniel. fully grab. I, I, I wrote down that second verse really encapsulates such an intense frustration with men, how they lack so much self awareness that they don't even mm-hmm. realize that they're the issue that they have this whole list of people who are traitors that like maybe they're the issue and that they should yeah. work on <laughs> work on themselves and not be uh, abusive to their partners um that they are the problem and like even within the song she knows that like she knows how the narrative is going to go and that she can't escape it and that she's going to have to be the more mature person even though she's a decade younger and y- yes you said it yeah. so beautifully and yeah yeah i just found it so upsetting and just like it was hard just not to be like and, and to have the, you know, years of having it be released and seeing the reception to it, just to be like, it's such an unfortunate position she was put in in so many ways, even being like, in putting out this song. Like, I saw like one of John Mayer's response to it to being like, oh my gosh, it's so unfair. And also, it's just like really cheap songwriting. And it's like, uh, I, it's like, that's not, it's not, it's not the way it should be. It's like poor Taylor. It's like that she had to experience this. And then, like, by, taking the narrative into her own hands and being able to tell her story through her music and then to be like as veronica so well put just like uh, this the society being like oh silly little girl writing her love songs it's like it's just so uh, it's so uh like willfully unaware of like the actual like pain and turmoil that she's trying to express mm-hmm Okay, why do you hate it? Why are you such an evil person? I don't hate it. How dare you? <laughs> what <laughs> I think I think what happened for me is that I wasn't in the place in my listening for a slow song and the song started and you like hear the like wavering guitar and I was like, hmm, I'm not I'm I'm tuned out. Um although I did write down I do think that like don't you think I was too young to be messed with is just such like an evocative line and also like Echoes 15 in a way. Um, Like it's an evolution of that, of like when you're 15 and someone tells you they love you, you're going to believe them. And then it's like four years later now she's like, 
Yeah, don't you think? Don't you think I was too young? I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe I was. Yes, <laughs> yes. Maybe yeah. I shouldn't have had to deal yeah. with this. I um, I also drew so, parallels to Love Story, where she's saying um, mm. the girl in the dress uh, in this song and in Love Story, she's singing about the ball mm. gowns. So she's kind of being thrown out of that Love Story narrative. I definitely mm-hmm. want to re-listen to it now with with a little context, you know, having having um attended this lecture um <laughs> on the subject the six-week seminar <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah i think this is the, this is the song i keep coming back to even though i'm like in a three and a half year very happy relationship i'm like don't think i was too young to be messed with you know oh my gosh yeah. <laughs> and um miles but i think <laughs> uh just something that we haven't quite touched upon yet um this song is very yeah, Veronica, you pointed out that there's a marked uh, departure from the sounds that are set up at the beginning of the album and even other songs in her discography. And mm, I would, along with many other people, would argue that this is her version of a John Mayer song. And if you listen to a song like Gravity, it is very, very similar. It's similar orchestration, same chord progression um the only big notable thing that she adds in this opening instrumentation are these wavering guitars and it's almost like her audition is the instruments that are lamenting even in and of themselves that they're crying as well um but she she's done this a number of times after this but if she breaks up with a musician she has a habit of writing basically a song of theirs but doing a better version of it as a flex <laughs> and this is the first time that that happens um i don't know just some other things to touch upon i thought there were some really fantastic metaphors that you know painting the blue skies to gray or the the chess game um and even the opening lyric just really enca- the you know the long were the nights of my days once revolved around you really encompasses encompasses the highs and lows, the agony and the ecstasy of this type of relationship where, as we've said, she's, you know, counting the, the footsteps. She's becoming almost obsessive in just trying to make this relationship work and appease this guy who's so abusive and there is no appeasing. Um, the, I think the bridge is probably my favorite part. It's so satisfying. Um, when we get to the part about the fireworks shining over your sad, empty town, you know, we have these huge drum hits that even sound like the fireworks shooting off and, it feels like an emotional catharsis for the narrative arc of the song. So I would say this is definitely one of the highlights of the album. And if you don't agree, I think it's probably just because you're wrong. Like you probably weren't listening, right? (laughs) Speaking of being mean, uh, let's move on to the song mean. Uh, And I immediately wrote that. I was like, ah, this is her response to critics, which probably said that she wasn't country enough. So she's like, I'm going to go as country as possible just to show you that I still can. I don't want to, (laughs) but it's in me. (laughs) Yeah. I I feel like that was a very, such a very strong contrast to just the whole vibe of Dear John, um, which is a lot more atmospheric in a way than this one, which is just so like Mm -hmm. plucky. And um, I really like the breakdown, the moment where it like just becomes like muted strumming and like the, um, three oh yeah it's like a scratchy washboard type of thing yeah, yeah i thought that really drove home um, the rustic roots and there's a lot of like hoedown vibes i got in this song which i yeah. thought added to the 
feeling of community behind her. Well, right. Actually, this goes into that, like the feeling of community. I, I thought it was interesting that she has this like call back, you know, like this, these um, background vocals going, doing the like, why you got to be so etc. I don't actually remember what the melody of that is, but at the why end... Why you gotta be so mean? Oh, why you gotta yeah. be so mean? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I thought that was, like, a new... It was just, like, a new thing for her. Like, I don't feel like she typically has... If there's, like, background, as we've discussed, it's in the sort of upper-lower harmony kind of situation. Um, so this, I thought, was an interesting kind of change of pace and, and really did emphasize, as you said, like, the community that she has whether that's like her fans or just like her own personal um community that like support her being like yeah okay i can't sing sure um how about this <laughs> um i thought the first line was kind of a wild time though with the like mm, your words they're like knives and also swords and even weapons <laughs> like, all right <laughs> Sure. <laughs> she didn't like her list in this song. <laughs> Alone in life and pathetic and rude and all the things that she got. It's like, okay, <laughs> we get it. Yeah. I thought it was so funny. Like five or six times she's like, all you are is mean. All you're ever going to be is mean. After that time, she's like, well, like plus like alone and pathetic and liar, but like, you right. know, essentially just like mean. Let's just, let's just leave it at mean. <laughs> She's oh, like, where can I fit this in? <laughs> She's like, I'm trying to bite my tongue, but I just can't. <laughs> yeah. I will say, I think, I think this song is fun. And I also think like, we've kind of talked about how this album is like her sort of like losing her innocence, like losing her naivete. And I kind of think it's also about, what it means to grow up in the spotlight and kind of navigate all of these things in like a very public way. Um, and so like mm-hmm. the line, I just want to feel okay again, really stuck out to me. I was like, it is like a little like catty and silly and like upbeat. And she's like weirdly very positive about all of it. I think because if she, well, I mean, we did, we do have better than revenge later, but I think if she <laughs> tried to really like, if she tried to really say what she thought about these people, it would just go even worse for her. Um, so I thought, this was a, a productive way for her to release yeah. those feelings in like a more silly, upbeat way, which is what she could get away with. Yeah, that's beautiful. I never stopped to take note of that. I just want to feel okay again line. And you're right. That is like absolutely where her intentions lie ultimately, where like the beating heart of the song and the album in general lies. I thought there are just so many fantastic compositional choices in this song um as we've talked about before in some other songs a a lot of pop songs can sort of fluctuate between uh the relative major and minor and this means that like for a major key you can take all the same notes um and if you start on a different note it will sound minor and you can use that to switch between sort of happy and sad or depending on how you want to use it if you're a good composer and this um in this song she decided to use those that minor sound in the verse very specifically with this falling melody you know you with your words like knives and whatever weapons she's (laughs) listing but she's (laughs) she's using these very sad chords she's very fixed in this minor key and is sounding very defeated but then when we get to the chorus it switches um, so she centered around the, the major version of that key, the ba- major version of that collection of notes. Um, and she sings, someday I'll be living in a big old city on the notes. 
and you get this wonderful rising line. And not only is this a rising line, uh, it's working against this falling base. So she's sort of like working against the powers that are trying to bring her down. And it makes for something that is narratively interesting and also just fantastic to listen to because you get this um, tension in this. And they sort of pull apart from each other in a fairly satisfying way. That was the main thing that draws me back to the song. And oh, oh, the other big thing I wanted to talk about was how every once in a while, like in our first episode, we talked about a, a place in this world. She uses notes or, or chords that are out of that, out of that normal collection of notes that make up a key. And she uses one of those in uh, just after the chorus. So um, why you gotta be so mean? And she falls down to this flat seven for a second, which is not part of the key. And it's kind of her like knuckling up like, yeah, I can write something a little bit more complicated, but you didn't <laughs> expect that. Like, I'm ready to fight. That's what that sounded like to me. <laughs> um, so I'm, I don't know, this is just like such a charming little song. And for many people, this is the big song off the record that has had uh, longevity. And I think it's interesting that so many people resonated so strongly with this song. But um, moving on to a story of us, Emily. I love <laughs> the structure of this. And yes! Let me explain why. So it, it starts <laughs> in the verse. It, it appears like it's going to be another first person talking about the past. Like, uh, here I am now. This was maybe not so long ago, but I'm still living it. And then at the end of the chorus, we get Taylor saying, next chapter. Yes! And it's... Whoa, she's reading. It's like I can see her being like, "Oh, let me let me read this story that I that I just jotted down after right when it happened." And it's I just love the like extra layer of distance and storytelling and it's all this imagery of storybook and uh, and space and aging coming together into this beautiful just beautiful narrative and it's I just think it's so well done and it's so encapsulates so many themes that she's been setting up in in her work up until now and when she gets to like the the end at the end spoken again it's just it's such a satisfying and well put together uh, song i just was so impressed it, in listening to this one i paused it when she when i first heard the next chapter i had to take a moment to collect myself before going on it was just so wonderful <laughs> It's so good. And she sticks to I wrote that down that she like sets up the conceit and then she sticks to it. Like even beyond yeah. that, within the lyrics, she says, Lately, I don't even know what page you're on. Like she's literally leafing through, like, this wasn't part of the story I was writing. What's going on here? Where, where yeah. can I meet you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you're excited about this song because this is one that like oh, like it's so great to dance along to. Like it like ramps me mm. up energetically, but also like puts me in my feelings. Like it totally captures <laughs> that frenetic energy of like hating someone but, and like knowing all the things that you're doing wrong but also desperately trying to cling on to the last threads of that relationship and just being like we can still save this just please do the right thing i want to be able to like to like you and to love you still but please get on the same page as me <laughs> right you like see in your mind how you want it to go and you're like i can envision this and i just love if you could too you follow know? my script Follow my script, we'll all be fine. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh, I, I mean, I didn't have that that strong of a reaction. I mean, I think the song is fun, but I don't have like much to say on it. Although I did note um, after listening to the Fearless episode of the podcast um, when you guys were talking a bit about the sort of like 
like pop punkiness that kind of comes into some of her songs. I really see that in this one. Um, and kind mm. of actually a lot in this album as sort of like a look ahead to Red and beyond. Um, and notably from her infamous collaboration with Brendan Urey on Me! Exclamation oh. point. Um, she's a big Panic! at the Disco fan. So well, I kind of see she did that, get like, the pop part of that <laughs> like i think like i don't know if you guys have seen the viral tiktok where someone sings um betty from folklore as a pop punk song but i'm like there's a i feel like there's a lot of her songs that if if just like the front man at the front bottom sang it you'd be like yeah this is a Taylor Swift song like you'd have no idea yes um i have not seen that tiktok uh maybe famously maybe not so famously i have not actually listened to evermore yet and so this whole thing is leading up to me listening to that album i do actually i love that as a framing so i'm very excited for you but yeah you missed out on the betty tiktok it's very good (laughs) i felt very similarly actually um what i've i've just written down like i i was very impressed by like the stylistic contrast between i mean you could just honestly on the whole album like she has so many different vibes going on but just like dear john to me into this is like wow you're really you're really doing it all um i too was very excited by the next chapter etc framing i wasn't really necessarily pulled in by the story so much as like i don't know the drive of the song like kept me in it um but i don't know if like the i found myself like listening to the music of it more than like the lyrics of it if that makes sense which is rare honestly for um a taylor swift song for me like i'm usually pulled in by Mm -hmm. the narrative um more than i don't know i've really i am pulled into the narrative of this song like when she's talking about being at this party and not knowing where to stand and she's like pulling at her hair like i i'm she really takes no, me there, and I can admit. I don't think that was. I don't think that's about Taylor so much as about me at the moment that I was listening to. If that makes sense, like I feel like she creates a very strong picture, and like I totally agree. This is another one of the songs that now that we've talked about it, I do kind of want to go back and listen to it again. Um, just hearing like Emily. Just what's your problem? Hearing... You said, dear John, you're like I want an upbeat song, and now you got an upbeat song, and now you're not here for it. So honestly, I'm I don't here, even know what page you're on. That I am here for it. I'm. <laughs> My favorite song comes later in the album. What can I say? Okay. Um, I know, I'm like, what could your favorite song possibly be? I'm very... <laughs> is just here to talk about You Belong With Me again. He's just so dead. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, that wasn't the bonus... You didn't... <laughs> you didn't hear that? I actually just... It just auto-played to You Belong With Me. And I was like, oh, did she put it on this album too? I <laughs> mean... Uh, no. I'm curious because we have two surprise songs now. What the title original title track was, and what Rafe's favorite song is too. Like <laughs> two nail biters. Like this is where you put the ad read. <laughs> yeah. Have we still not gotten to the title track? Oh well, I'm terrible at keeping a secret. I guess. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I will say um, just assorted moments of this song that I really love. Um, when she says as, uh, a lyric I pointed out earlier, pulling at my hair, she like literally pulls at the word pulling at my hair she sort of draws it out like she's fiddling with her hair in the second verse she sings but you held your pride the way you should have held me and not only is that an incredible lyric um she also takes the melody up to like raise the emotional heights and bring attention to that lyric and to better and capture that emotional eruption um that's like one of my favorite parts and one of my favorite parts to sing along to um and what i really love in the chorus is uh when she sings uh twist of fate when it all broke down um 
And so you sort of have the melody twisting around itself. And then when it breaks down, when she hits the word down, that's like the lowest part of the melody. So that's like really great composition. And there's a moment that I thought Emily would like because she referenced something um, similar in a, in a different song. But um, when she sings, uh, I've never heard silence quite this loud and all the instruments drop out. <gasps> yes. Yes, yes, yes. I was like, oh, another fantastic mo- uh, moment of text painting and something Emily will enjoy. Um. Yeah, I got so distracted by my thesis for this piece. I completely <laughs> forgot all my other notes. Yeah, the song is just so dramatic. And I and I feel like this last chorus is like her giving the ultimatum when you get these big, powerful chords of, you know, now I'm standing alone. And like, it's really just focusing on her voice and her saying like, you need to do this now or we're over. And ultimately she herself ends the the relationship with the words, the end. I, yeah. I just love this song so much. It's so much. Song. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Never grow up. I feel like so, this one is big landslide vibes. It's oh, like, yes. She's been listening to Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> I just thought it was a better version shakes. of um, Best Day. <laughs> mm, it, absolutely. It's her improved upon uh, parent child song. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I didn't like the song the first time I listened to it, but then the more I kept listening to it, every time she switches from never grow up, like in the like directive, like you should never grow up, when she switches to I wish I'd never grown up, which mm-hmm. full tears. Like <laughs> I just like like her being like like around the bridge and she says, I just realized everything I have is someday gonna be gone. And like mm-hmm. again, that whole arc of like I'm losing my childhood and like what does it mean to grow up mm-hmm. and just the like the way that she says, I wish I'd never grown up. There's like so much emotion in her voice for me. I was like, like I, every single time I'm like, am I going to cry right now? I'm going to cry. <laughs> um, and so I see it like, even though it's written mostly in the second person, I think it's like more a song to her, her past self. Like, you know, like make sure that you pay attention to these moments because they're going to be gone and you yeah. you know, and then, and then that's just it. That's just life. Um, and then I think if also tie it back to Dear John. Well, and I was about to say, if we tie <laughs> it back to Dear John, um, oh gosh. like in the arc of the album, it's like she's kind of recovering from the anger of like mean and the story of us and being like, now I'm going to reflect on what this means, what this really means to me. Like I'm, I'm done just being pissed off and I'm like, who am I anymore after this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so interestingly, this was the song that I tied to 15 i saw a lot of parallels with the song 15 15 as we know is written in second person like you mentioned where she's giving this you know don't you ever grab she's singing you you and it's not really to uh romantic interest it's it's someone that she's cherishing and in 15 what she's cherishing is this friendship with her you know her high school friend and in this song she's cherishing herself which i think is part of what makes it that much more emotional because when you're going through all these big life changes and dramatic relationships, it is you have to remember to, to cherish the younger version of yourself and make sure you're being introspective and you're you're not getting lost in all of this um, this drama and, and critics and abusers. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think it's just like a wonderful message to have in the center of the record. Um, it also captures the fact that her audience is growing up with her as well. Mm-hmm. So even if they're not going off and having a huge record label and affairs with John Mayer and Joe Jonas, maybe like they started listening to her in middle school and now they're going off to like senior year of high school or going off to college. And they're also able to cherish the younger versions of themselves and that, that young version, like that young person's dreams and what they hope their life would be. Oh, this song, this one. Oh, so you hated it. 
<laughs> I, I'll t- I, I cannot guarantee that my thoughts will come in the form of analysis, but perhaps just one long tangent. Go. But, okay, here's Go what ahead. happened. I listened uh, in, in my prolonged listening across the week. I listened to the song this afternoon. <laughs> and here's the thing. I fully wept while listening to this. Um, <laughs> primarily one because I sometimes I'm um, saddened uh, by like the thought of aging and in the sense of like having this like connotation of hopelessness, which I don't think is like is I don't like to think of aging growing up that way as like, oh, it'll only you'll only lose more from here on out. I just think <laughs> that's such a because aging is so okay, here's where the tangent kicks in. <laughs> the, I- the idea of a parent, saying to like their kid like never grow up stay this little like it's so easy to be this little i just find so heartbreaking because and maybe this is just personal thing i uh again tangent um (laughs) my dad like always told me my sister like he never wanted to like say like oh i i hope you guys stay this age forever or like Mm -hmm. or like you know like making it seem like us growing up would like be like something to like feel guilty about or but like oh it's like is this okay that I'm getting older I know I have no control over it but like do you do you not like that like it is happening um and so it just like the thought that like there is this quality to childhood that is just going to inevitably be lost as one ages I just feel like is so sad and so not the case in a lot of scenarios it's kind of like whatever aging is whatever you make of it in a way (laughs) and so i would have really appreciated i guess for myself if the idea of like never grow up this directive of never grow up was uh put forward more figuratively than literally and unfortunately i feel like it is kind of literally in the chorus when they're like stay this little it's like well kind of hard (laughs) to like you know (laughs) but <laughs> put, put that in like a oh well I mean little in like the childlike wonder kind of way you know it's like a bit of a disconnect there but to have like this vision of like being still so young being 19 and being like mm-hmm. oh I've grown up and everything's worse now it's like no my gosh you're still so young there's so much life ahead of you like you are still a child and so I just and and I like didn't weep in the cathartic way listening to this. I just wept in the so upset way that there could potentially be like people listening to this and being like, oh my gosh, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to feel so sad. It's like, no, don't think that way. It doesn't have to be the case. As someone who's felt that way and been like, uh, it's like, I'm, I'm in my 20s. That's still so young. I, this is a tangent again, but this was just, this was my big emotional response to a track on this album. I just, the idea of this directive of never growing up being the key to like staying happy in a ever complicating world, I just found so not the solution. You know, it's like there's nothing that can be done about growing up. It's so inevitable. Mm-hmm. But growing up doesn't have to be this mindset of, you, no one will support you. No one will be there for you. No one's going to care for you like they cared for you as a child. It's it's just so more nuanced than that. And so that was my big takeaway from this song. <laughs> that is not how I read this song. <laughs> I do love that, though. I think yeah. it's really interesting. Yeah. And it just it just hit me in a way because it's something, obviously, that, that got at me emotionally um, and just what was evoked in my mind but yeah I I was just it was very interesting that this like I saw what the ideas that were trying to be captured and just the way in which it was presented I found 
so limiting in a way. Yeah. I think what also um, hits me emotionally in this song is that it's not just like the child who's not supposed to grow up. It's also kind of inverted. Like I don't want my parents to grow up too. Like I want us all to be able to sort of live in this moment and, and enjoy and just enjoy it while we're here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is not, I don't have quite as strong a reaction as you did, but like that, that sentiment was like what got to my heart. <laughs> yeah, definitely. When, when Taylor referenced parents aging too, I was like, Oh, another round. I'm already somehow crying at full capacity, but there's more room to go from there's there. There's more room for tears. Um, wow. Not to bring it back to landslide, but I think there's an interesting parallel because I feel like landslide does kind of what you would want. Emily in that like the aging is like you know everyone ages and like the reason that I'm afraid of time passing is that like I don't really know where to go from here and I think it's just an interesting because I do feel like the songs are very similar both musically and like sentimentally in their conceit in their conceit um I think it's interesting to see like obviously Landslide was written by an older performer than Taylor Swift um and to to differentiate the the sort of you know it when she's 19 writing this and being in such strife might we say it's like I would love if all of these like aging things that are happening to me like relationship and every you know I would love that, that could just stop um because yeah. it, it's not necessarily understood in the, in the same way I don't know but yeah I would just like um, for the record, in case anyone's curious, landslide makes me weep as well. So as it should, as it should. <laughs> yeah, should we move on to Enchanted? Or I'm ready to talk about Enchanted. It's not my favorite song, in case anyone was wondering, but I, I did really afraid, like it. Um, and you know, it's it's shocking because um, I I don't like the chorus of the song, which unfortunately happens a lot. But I think so much interesting stuff happens in this song. Mm-hmm. Um, she starts really strong with this like synth, um, very like ethereal. Like she totally has not done this kind of sound before. Um, she's she's playing with all these different textures, also like with the way that they're processing her voice. Um, <laughs> I've written big fireflies vibes because it just oh. reminded me of. <laughs> wow, <laughs> we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Put a pin in it. <laughs> oh. Big reaction from everyone. Um. Uh, I want to have a smaller reaction to the synth because I also did write down that she opens with a spacey synth pad and it's very ethereal. As, yeah. as you said, like the volume in and of the synth is like undulating and swelling to give it life yeah. and this unpredictable immediacy. And also um, something that marks it immediately as the song starts is that all of the songs, all of the other songs so far and pretty much all of her discography has been on the like the white notes of the piano and this is one of the mm. few times she actually goes into a flat key so for those interested she's in a flat which just gives a much more like otherworldly maybe more grand feeling than a lot of the more like um white note keys that she stayed in with like you know some of the more like sure. basic chords that she had that she's used in some of her other songs so this is the first one where she like goes into this new um ethereal realm um but yes there's one other song that um yeah has used as uh, a flat key on this album, and it was also I think noteworthy. So I'll get to that in a little bit. But um, please I continue with your discoveries. Okay, sure, sure, sure. Okay, so I was gonna say like adding on the way that the textures are layered on, I think is also really beautiful. So when the guitar comes in, I was like, 
You sent me. You sent, um, just because I think it, it just like it settles into the the already existing like synth sound so nicely that it almost feels like the synth was just like building the room for the guitar to like be played in. Mm. Um, so I thought that was really nice. Um, what I've what I've written is this is more the song than I think I was thinking about when I said this earlier. But I've written um, in many ways I don't really care about the lyrics of the song like I don't I'm not at at the time at least up until the chorus I'll say like I was like I'm just really into like what's happening texturally and sonically um I think the lyrics do add to it It it's they certainly don't detract from like the the environment that she's building of like this yeah. like foggy room or like the you know like silhouettes and shadows and secrecy that kind of thing yeah i really um, like the way she was playing with the senses actually especially in this first yeah. verse when she was singing your eyes whisper have we met across the room your silhouette makes its room to me so she's like kind of yeah. disoriented and and it's all very alluring yeah, but not quite she's not processing the way that you might think that she would like her eyes are whispering like who writes something like that yeah <laughs> yeah i really think that the panning at the end yes um, yes is just uh, how dare they do this thing to me? She's like whispering in your ear, um, and like I also think it's really exciting. It's on the lyric, um, "Please don't be in love with someone else," right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, <laughs> kind of spooky in a way, like not actually spooky, but it's like just for it to be such an intimate and like low vocal in the in the right side, and then obviously she does like the higher. Yeah, as her anxiety raises, she sings it up the octave. Yeah. And it's like this voice um, in the back of her head going louder and louder. Yeah, and I was like, wow, they're really going off, these producers slash Taylor herself. But Yeah, you have <laughs> these two voices in the back of her head, and in the center you have this wordless wail, which is, I think, really nice mm-hmm. vocal moment and also kind of shows that, you know, out loud, she can't even sit, find the words to express what she's feeling. It's just this expressive, yeah. wordless uh, emotion. I don't really care for this song, <laughs> it, except insofar as the background that I won't reveal yet. Emily, how did you feel? Um, I particularly liked the verses of this song more than the chorus. Um, and what stood to me a lot was the orchestration. I thought it really captured the intimacy of the moment and especially paired with the vocal line that was like a bit lower in her range. I just, I got a very strong sense of their closeness these two people and i thought the idea of enchantment with that that it's not always like as opposed to sparks fly which is this big moment of like boom this is it this is love this is romance uh this kind of more quiet tender um attraction to someone that kind of just bubbles up you know yeah yeah just like a couple random things i want to say but in general i think this is like a very a much more mature take on the fairy tale themes that she's had in previous mm-hmm. albums, especially in Fearless. Um, I mean, just like the word enchanted in and of itself kind of brings you into that world. But um, I don't know. Then she like brings it back to the more like real world with, with these lyrics, like the lingering question kept me up 2 a.m. Who do you love? Um, which is again, so pithy and puts you right in the moment of when you realize what they're insinuating, but you didn't quite get it in the moment. Um, and, you know, it captures the last bits of her innocence as she starts to date these, like, older, much more famous men. Mm. And in that verse, I also really like when she continues, now I'm pacing back and forth, and her voice jumps up the octave, and she's getting more and more anxious. And you, it's like she's literally left out of bed, and you can see her in her room pacing back and forth and trying to figure out, oh, my gosh, 
what what was this interaction? What I, I'm putting all the pieces together. I'm figuring it out. And I, I think that's like this is one of the songs that like I got stuck on and just kept listening to like over and over because it was so it was so like emotionally satisfying to me. And before she gets to the chorus, um, I was she sings, "I was enchanted to meet you," um, and then her voice almost dissolves into air before we get this very punchy chorus that really savors every syllable of of the words, especially flawless and wonderstruck, which are basically the words that this man used to her that night that like she clung onto and, and inspired her to write the song. And so I think they were set in a very successful way that highlighted them, even if you didn't know that they were the important words to her. Um, that's all I want to say about the construction of the song. Veronica, why don't you explain the story behind this song? Oh, yeah. I just think it's hilarious, um, especially because Rafe just hit the nail on the head saying it's about fireflies. The song is about Owl City. Like, she just that had guy. a giant, giant crush on Adam Young and met him and wrote the song. And then, Delicious. And I actually do think it's funny because when you call when you called out the line, like, please don't be in love with someone else, I was listening to it. I was like, this literally sounds like an Owl City song. Um and I do think it's kind of funny. You're like, this is my favorite song on the album. It's just it's not a song. <laughs> or you're almost it's your favorite. One of your among it's, your favorites. I, I do like it though. <laughs> wait, that's not um, the full story. Is there more? What's I the also full love story? wait. I just want to add also that mm-hmm. Alice did a cover of it that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that's the thing. That's he funny. um he, that that's the other part. They didn't just cover it. They, he like changed the lyrics and was like, Taylor, I was so enchanted to meet you. I'm in love with you. And then she just I don't know. Did you not she notice says, that when you listen? He like she he no. changed the lyrics. He was like, "Yeah, Taylor, I was trying to say that I love you, but like when Taylor was like making this album, she sent him like a bunch of these tracks, and he like listened to this one, and he was like, I think this is about me. And then just like I think she was trying to be like, I wrote the song about you. Um, are you in love with me? And then he didn't say anything in the moment. He's like, I'm gonna be grand and romantic and make a cover of the song, but that like took too long <laughs> to come out. To... <laughs> so by the time he put the actual cover of the song out, where he's like, I am in love with you, she moved on. <laughs> That's oh, very funny. <laughs> yeah, I will say I think I listened to maybe the first thirty seconds of the song because I, you know. I'm I'm an Alice City fan. I was like, okay, but it's just not good. I turned it off. You know, it's not on streaming services. It did not get an official release. Let's just say that. But um, (laughs) it is so heartbreaking. (laughs) It's so hard. Yeah, let's just move on to Better Than Revenge. Because like, (laughs) I did like, Um, I got so caught up in like the romance of the story and how like precious it feels. And then it's just like so tragic that these two people just kind of didn't get the timing right. And we're both so into each other and couldn't make it work. Um, that's so bizarre funny, couple though. though could you imagine honestly I, like, no I just think I think Taylor needs to be the most neurotic person in her relationships and Adam Young also needs to be the most neurotic person <laughs> 100% she's like oh I'm so glad that she's with somebody like pretty boring now like that's the right <laughs> pairing <laughs> um okay let's move on to better revenge because like otherwise i'm just gonna talk about the song forever um rafe did you have anything to say <laughs> um probably this is not my favorite song i know the <laughs> listeners are on the edge of their seeds what could it be um i i love the spoken intro i it I was like, all right, I'm ready. I'm settled in. <laughs> I'm <laughs> tell me the story. She said, um, go sit in the corner. And Rafe actually went to the corner and sat there. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I guess. Um, I, I mean, obviously, I, I think what has been said by the world and also probably all of us, it's like, you know, she gets a little chaotic evil in this song where she's like that girl she's known for what she does in the bed if you know what I mean <laughs> and it's like alright mm-hmm. <laughs> chaotic um, but um, I do like the 
drums in it. Um, I really like mm. what she's doing with the vocal texture, and I really like what they do with the added, um, the added in spoken. Um, yeah, they're like layering. tape track vocals during the verse yeah. to emphasize um, words like over it, and it has a treble yeah. taken out of it, and it sounds like again like you're listening to a cassette of her saying it, and it, it's a really I, unique way of emphasizing different words. Yeah, I thought it was kind of an interesting evolution of like. Um, maybe it's in her first album. I forget what song we were talking about it, but the, the, well, I don't know. She like has done like spoken lines in her songs before. And I just thought this was an interesting evolution of that. Oh, picture to burn where she's um, like so much better than me. <laughs> yeah. Some stuff like that. You know, I think this is like an interesting and more complex, um, you know, evolution of that, like spoken um, personality getting into the song. Um, Oh, there was a lot of personality. I don't like yeah. his personality. The line much. about the no amount of vintage, vintage dresses, dresses dignity. I was like, <gasps> <gasps> she wouldn't. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like the internalized misogyny is like not super cute for her, but you know, I think I think she's grown now, right. so I can yeah. forgive it. And I also kind of think, like. It's hard to blame her for writing this song because, like, that's kind of what everyone was doing to her. And she was like, yeah. if we look at this as her navigating growing up on this album, it's kind mm-hmm. of her being like, okay, like, is this who you want me to be? Like, would this make you happy if this is what I was like? Um, yeah. So, like, I kind of get where it came from, even if I'm kind of like, you know. Yeah, that's a great point. You don't point. have to slut shame other women. Right. <laughs> also, you know, it is kind of like like I will say this song and Mean are the only two I had heard before I like sat down and listened to the whole album. So oh, interesting. You know, they're fun. They're fun to to play in the Barnard dorms. <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I really liked is that it's a very uh, you know it never really lets up its energy. It's constantly going with this very driving drum and and I liked that um, something that she I don't I haven't heard a lot from her really ever before in the bridge. Um, it goes into this halftime feel. So um, normally, you know, or when you're listening to a song, you hear like the beat is in this song. It's been like one, two, three, four. She's not a saint, but she's not what you think. She's an actress. And it's one, two, three, four. Those are the, the quarter notes. And in the bridge, the quarter notes sound like they're taking twice as much time and it slows it down, almost feels like slow motion, but it gives you a little bit of a breather before we go back into this incessant chorus and the, this incessant song. Uh, do we know who she was shading with the vintage dresses? It's um Camilla Cabello. <gasps> was it? That's what Taylor Wikipedia I think said. No. Wow. Camilla Cabello was not even like born when this song came out. <laughs> Maybe it's born. a different Camilla. Hold on, I'm gonna oh, pull I think it up right now. Oh, it's Camilla <laughs> Bell. Sorry. Camilla yeah. Bell. <laughs> <laughs> who took Joe Jonas from her? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry no. to Camilla. Sorry. <laughs> I was like fifth heart. Like they hadn't even auditioned for X Factor yet. There's no way. Just like just sig- signaling out this like random eight year old girl. <laughs> Stole the heart of Joe Jonas. Yeah. No, I thought that she might have been. I might have been like a Katy Perry thing because I thought Katy Perry wore like vintage dresses. But um. Yeah. Like, Do you know what Taylor Swift wore too? Like. Yeah. Well, who, nobody's looking to Taylor Swift for, like, their fashion inspiration. Right? I'm so. sorry. You were not on Tumblr during the Red Era as a teen girl. <laughs> yes, I, I was. Oh, yes, I was. I went to a full... 
costume exhibit for Taylor Swift's tour costume. And looking at those things in person, I was like, this is cheap. This this, no. is, this is not taste. Okay, this is cheap. Well, maybe I was just the the blind-eyed masses, but I really I was like, <laughs> I want to be Taylor on the cover of the Red Hill. Yeah, that was a look. The black hat um, is definitely it spoke to me in the moment, but looking back, I was like, these these are very basic. It's not like it's bad, but it's not like she's this yeah. cutting edge, like fashionista type. Oh, I mean, person. absolutely not. She was the girl next door. Weren't we all? Yeah. That's true. <laughs> what do you want from her? <laughs> she can only be a small town girl. Okay, well, if I'm a small town girl, I also want to date Joe Jonas. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's move on to Innocent. Uh, is this the title track? No. Damn, but good, that'd good be guess. A good, that'd be a good one, I think. It would be good, but this song is weird. I don't know if I'd want this to be the it title track. Um, I love that she's pandering to like her 30-year-old audience. <laughs> no, oh my god. Okay, no. I actually, I have feelings about this song because... No, go ahead. Yeah. Um, This is another song like Never Grew Up that I listened to it and I was like, okay, whatever. And then mm. I listened to it again. I've heard um, and now so, 32. I've processed it. In so this. John Mayer was 32, but you know who else was 32? <gasps> I Kanye do. Kanye West. Yep. <gasps> and so it's actually about Kanye West, but it's really interesting that there's like the confluence of the two of them. Um, and sort of, again, this whole theme of loss of innocence, like calling back to the simpler time. She keeps saying like, wasn't it beautiful when you believed in everything and everyone believed in you? And, like, wasn't it easier in your firefly catching days before the monsters caught up to you? And sort of, like, calling back to, again, who she wishes she could still be, but that's, like, a irrevocably ruined part of her. Um, Mm. And so at first when I listened to the song, I was, like, why is she, like, coddling these, like, 32-year-old men who are, like, still growing up? I'm, like, you don't have to baby them. But I think it's more, (laughs) like, her being, like, even though these, like, whole horrible older people did this to you, like who you are is not who you've been, so to speak. Yeah. And like, you are still a good person, even though bad things have happened to you. I did like this, the yeah. sentiment, although I thought it was a funny follow-up to um, Better Than Revenge, where she's like, oh this slut. <laughs> By the way, if d- you're not who your past is, like you're not, you're not. Like, <laughs> like, That's what, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> Better Than Revenge and Enchanted don't belong at the <laughs> Um <laughs> But yeah, I thought it was, I really like the bridge, um, the, the like string pulse on the, yes. like You'll I mean, have she does, she does the like one, three yeah. like hit a lot, but I really liked the fullness that that added. Yeah. I thought there was some great instrumentation. I personally liked that the chorus was still full of these airy backing vocals. And I thought that just opened up the space of the, yeah. of the song so beautifully and was very atmospheric and I, I love that she's leaning into those kind of vocals at this point. Um, I think the point of the song is that um, it's, she says, you know, you're still an innocent, but it's supposed to sound like you're stealing innocence. So it's more of like <gasps> oh, an attack on Kanye. Yeah. Um, and for me, it doesn't work. Cause there is this like attack element, but it's also like much in the way of 15, she's trying to tell someone else's story and whereas in 15 she was like very she was friends with this person i was very like properly empathizing this one she's like empathizing with kanye west and it's just like these are not things that i think he's feeling at all this does not <laughs> feel like i don't know that this is his story so for me it just feels like there's too much cognitive dissonance and dissonance within this story itself to like really sell i don't know sell itself to me but um 
I will point out the the lunchbox and the firefly catching days, and I thought that was just like one of many moments where it's like, you know, she did not have to write new lyrics. She could have just sang the same thing again, but she's Taylor Swift, and she's like, I'm gonna give you a new lyric because I'm just such an, you know, I can provide all these interesting visuals and all these interesting metaphors. So I will, I will give her that. Before the the line about being 32 came up, um, I thought this was like more of a direct response to the 19 year old in Never Grow Up mm. who is like, oh gosh, my life, I'm, I'm an adult now and I don't know what to do. And being like, hey, even if you, more like for the future, like even if you make a mistake, like you can always still go back to that place of <laughs> childlike possibility and innocence. Um, and that's what I thought for the majority of song up until I got there and then I said, wait, 32. <laughs> <laughs> I wish she hadn't included the 32. I wish it had just been yeah. more like general. Yeah. Like I, I would have just liked it to be a number that either she addresses to herself or like to more of like yeah. a generic like audience of you know li- like in 15 how she's talking to a girl but it's not necessarily herself but there's a connection between the two. It's mm-hmm. That's what I thought this one is going to be contextualized with this either either Taylor figure or just a figure in Taylor's position going through life and wondering if they've already, you know, made so many decisions that they can't turn around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like there's something very relatable about like, I don't know, just like looking around or like, just like coming back to like the decisions you've made and been like, yeah, no, there's no getting around it. I just hate, what I've done um or like you know what I mean and and I think that in that way this is like a really nice response to that kind of like no matter like how awful you feel about like you know like the choices you've made or like whatever situations you've gotten yourself into it's like it's gonna be okay like you have like you you can like change from that um so I agree with that I just don't think Kanye feels all that. I don't think he regrets it. I don't think he does either. (laughs) (laughs) Who can say? Well, shall we move on to Haunted? I think we should. Bing, bing, bing. Reader, you guessed it. This is my favorite song. Oh, my gosh. I would not have Um, guessed that. (laughs) Um, We have complete opposite opinions. Go on. (laughs) So here's why I like it. Please Um, tell me because it's probably my favorite. How do you? One, I just think the opening, it's like, <gasps> excuse me? Has the prize fighter, like, has the champion fighter just walked into the boxing ring? Like, where am I? Like, what dystopian world am I in? Um, and I I liked it. I I really liked the militaristic drums. Mm. I liked mm-hmm. the... Um, That's I in really the verse. Liked, yeah. Yeah, in the verse. You and I walk and I, a fragile line, and she has those fantastic snares going. Yeah, and then I think, like... Um, the the melody that she does where she goes to I can't trust anything now and she like drops essentially I feel like it's sort of it's not like dropped an octave but it's like that it could have gone up and I, I just think it's like goes to this very conversational place that's um very conspiratorial I don't know the whole song feels mm. very like I don't know dramatic it feels the the stakes are so high because of the um sonic setting if you will. For me, it paints like this really unexpected picture of what like haunting can be because it's not like sad or eerie or creepy. It's just like vast and painful. Um, Mm -hmm. 
And I think that's really nice. And I also really like the ending being just like, bam, no fade out, nothing. You're left. So that's my, that's my spiel on Haunted. Wow, yeah. Um, I'll take my applause now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you're getting excited. I, I just personally love the return of these huge, like, cathedral bells. And to me, that's mm-hmm. like a gothic mm-hmm. reference to, like, literal ghosts and, and being being haunted. Mm-hmm. Um, gives me the, the vibe of wandering around a cemetery or something like that. I love the huge drum fills right up top, right into those dramatic strings. She's like giving it all right up front. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really similar to um, the way I loved you, how it like has this huge opening and then it like Mm -hmm. pulls back Mm -hmm. into a more, again, militaristic um, reserved verse. So I was going to talk about the way I loved you. I feel like when I listened to it and we were talking about, Taylor's like, well, this is good, but I definitely want that toxic relationship. I feel like this is the version of that sentiment that felt so much more um, complete for me. Mm. And I really could, I, I thought this added the extra nuance that I was missing in the way I loved you and really captured also what was kind of shown in Sparks Fly, this this still this yearning for, for what was and perhaps what wasn't the best and how it can't you can't like shake it and how often she talks about like i should run away from this but i can't and how that manifests in this kind of very present at the back of my mind you know informing all of her relationships i thought the imagery of a haunting for that was so effective i think it really was able to kind of fill in a lot of gaps in this narrative that i hadn't yet found a way to kind of pull together before Mm. Um, and so this song really did that for me. Also, I, this is my favorite vocal performance of Taylor's, I think, so far. <gasps> mm. Mm. I really liked, yes, I did like that. And I really liked her breathing. And in fact, I think mm. a reference breathe where she says, can't breathe whenever you're gone. Um, not only does it reference that song, but then she sings, can't turn back, now I'm haunted. And in between every single word, she has this really huge gasp so she sings can't turn back now because she literally can't breathe and i thought that was Mm -hmm. another thing that added to that dramatic frenetic energy of the song i don't really care for this one (laughs) (laughs) i just think i had the opposite reaction to the opening from reef where you know despite being in orchestra for 12 years i don't really have the trained musical ear (laughs) Um, so i was kind of like whoa what are we like this is not what I'm here for when I turn on my Taylor Swift albums. Like, it's I do out feel of like place. it's very polarizing. It's very jarring. Yeah. I think this song, in the best possible way, would make a great competition dance for, um, you know, 13-year-old girl somewhere who's just longing to have, like, emotional stage performance. Um, I think it would be a great uh, cinematic masterpiece. Um, Katniss Everdeen would thrive to this song. I don't know. This is you my know, th- I watched the, the tour for this album. It's, I think it's available on YouTube. Um, but I think wow. she gives you everything you wanted where she has these like giant bell props that come down from the ceiling and they have like mm-hmm. silks that like people are pulling on them mm-hmm. to like wow. make the bells go, Beautiful. but they're also like, you know, dancing them or whatever. Right. And I think it gives you all the like beautiful lyrical I need a high production value for this yes, she gives absolutely. it she fully gave it um I, I i but it's also through like i god i can't remember the last time i watched it so who knows um shall we move on to last kiss um i really like the like the low drum is it the kick that they're like kind of amplifying yeah um, it, i i think it's a kick if i recall correctly it sounds like 
a little rattly too, kind of like a loose air. Yeah, some whatever. It's very reverberant sound. And then she comes in with like a very just like breathy and like um, almost hollow vocal, which I think just like, and she also doesn't sing a lot, like right in the, like it's a very sparse beginning. Like it's sort of like in the, once she gets into like the verse, she is, you know, on her typical flow. But I feel like um, it just starts so sparsely that I, I feel like it does really give you this um, sense of, yeah, like lit through the darkness at 158. It's like, there's nothing else going on but this moment. And it's like, uh, yeah, very gaspy. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, think what, throughout the, yeah, no, go ahead. No, I was, I was going to say what I think makes a song so uh it feels very immediate and and uh Mm -hmm. powerful and encompassing and i think that's partly because the lyrics are so sensorial like she says i feel your arms and she says i feel your breath and she's hearing words that you whispered she smells the rain she can like sort of taste the name on her lips or and she's looking at his Mm, face watching her life in pictures so she's really this relationship and the end of it is just so powerful that she is experiencing it to its full in every single one of her senses. Um, I just wrote down, you can tell Taylor didn't have editors on this album because it's full of six-minute songs about yearning. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? That's true. Get her. (laughs) And, like, you know, it's not, like, Dear John, excellent six-minute song about yearning, but, like, (laughs) this one I was kind of, like, you know, we could, there's a bit we could trim here, I think. Yeah. (laughs) spice it up i agree it is long (laughs) it is a little this one was fine i didn't find myself particularly moved by it um i thought the the break lift between last and kiss was interesting Mm -hmm. i don't know exactly why the choice was made um to separate the words like so i don't know it stood out to me for some reason in my first listening to it um, Those words, I didn't notice the breath. I have to think about that for a little bit. But I noticed that because um, most of her harmonies are harmonized at the like the third. Um, so, like, is how you would normally hear most of her harmonies. But here, you don't have the third. You just have like you have like a fifth harmony, right. which it, it takes out the center of the chord. Um, the chord is normally made up of three notes and it takes out the center. And so that is part of what made it feel so hollow. Like every other note is pretty much harmonized with a third within it. And this one, it just, it takes out the core and it feels so hollow. It feels dead. It shows this relationship truly is over. <laughs> sure. I guess, um, yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah. Think, thinking about what mm-hmm. Veronica just said, I feel like the, this, the idea behind the song was like so quickly um, expressed to me. And then it felt kind of like, Beyond that, for the rest of the piece, which was rather long, there was like not a lot more in to like go with it. It was like, yeah, no, no, no. I like, it's like one of those things where like someone explains something and you're like, sure, I get it, and they're yeah. like, no, 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 but let me let me tell you more about it, and you're like, well, I already understood, but like, no, it's okay, continue, kind of thing, you know. <laughs> I think that's the strongest part of the song to me is is the bridge where she sings about watch your life in pictures, uh, like I used to watch you sleep. I think that's where the energy mm-hmm. starts to pick up, and she has mm-hmm. really cutting lyrics that uh, at least get to me. Um, yeah. And uh, when she gets to the end of that, you know, she says, uh, I never planned on you changing your mind. And there's this very, again, hollow, not very reverby Tom. I think it might be a Tom or maybe very dead in timpani. And it sounds like it's very unceremonious 
depth of the relationship. I don't know. There's some nice other nice instrumentation parts. Um, when she sings uh, in the chorus, your name, there's a little chime to sort of highlight it and give it. There's like there's still a little spark when she hears this name. She sings forever the name on my lips. When she says lips, you get these very magical chimes, and it's like when she thinks back to it, she can still muster a little bit of that mm. the magic she felt when she was in the relationship, and. I don't know. The other thing I wanted to say is just that, like, this is, in fact, the other song that was in a flat key. So it was in one of the two songs that were centered around the black keys of the piano. And not only is it just any key, it's in B-flat. It's, in fact, the same key as Teardrops on my guitar. So I thought it... I thought it harkened back to that a lot. And I was like... uh, I think it's very similar, you know, guitar, similar chords, and in many ways like there's a kinship between those two songs but yeah it's it's really long it's in <laughs> <laughs> she's done the theme better and shorter so you know what yeah. usually i want to skip anyways <laughs> 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 um so skipping on to the next one we're gonna go to our conclusion long live um and i think this is like maybe one of her last like fairy tale type songs and it's nice that it's dedicated to her fans um, what did you think? Oh, I was like, is this graduation? Like, what? what's happening? <laughs> I don't know. For me, it was like, uh, you've done it again, Taylor. You've given me change part two. But I, yeah. <laughs> maybe. I, I did say it was a little bit, it was a better version of change. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I like this one. I thought it was fun. Um, Long live the walls that we crashed through. So, it's like oh, long no. live the destroyed <laughs> walls. Go. Is that the idea? Or long live those walls, but oh no, actually, just kidding, we crashed through them. It's the memory of crashing through them. This really isn't it shouldn't be that hard. I yeah, I just I've, I liked the celebration of this like um it, it, it actually felt similar to me. I think there's a song on her first album. Anyways, it's the celebration of like the moments that you really loved without any sort of obligation for things to continue happening. It felt stay beautiful vibes to me, um, but for for everyone, for the world, yeah, um, you know, just for like this group, which I I appreciate that that um, sentiment of like this was so amazing and I loved every minute of it, and that's all. Like no no strings, no nothing. Absolutely. And I, I love how in the chorus she sings, I had the time of my life fighting dragons with you. And at the end of the song, she cuts out the fighting dragons. So she just says, I had the time of my life with you. So it doesn't matter whether you're fighting dragons or crashing through walls. or It didn't matter what you were doing. She was all, she was happy having the entire experience, ups and downs. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think this is a great end, not only to the album, but almost to like... I mean, she literally says it was the end of a decade, but the start of an age. And I think it really... She kind of... Yeah. Just, like, she's like, okay, like, I've moved through all my emotions. Like, I mean, she's still 19, but she's like, I've grown up. And now, like, <laughs> what happens next? And yeah. it's, like, kind of also, like, okay, all those things happened to me, and that sucks. But, like, I know that even though I've been, like, chewed up a little, I'm going to go on to, like, do these amazing things. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, she also thinks how, how, you know, she says, I'm not afraid. And I think that was a nice growth from Fearless, where she was – you know she was getting pulled along and she she was acting fearless but that was perhaps because of the men she was with and men who would end up deserting her or you know betraying her and here she's not afraid because she's finding it more than herself and and her 
her fans and the love they fostered amongst them amongst each mm. other. I think it also has movie credit vibes. Absolutely. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, but I think that's perfect for especially what you were saying, like in terms of end of era, end of, you know, this era of her writing as well. Yeah. So do we have any concluding thoughts? This was like still a good album. Okay. Um, overall for me. And I, I am excited actually to go back and listen to, I think, I'll, I think I'll listen to most of it again, actually, because that'd be great. Um, While you're at it, listen to the podcast. <laughs> How dare you? Um, no. <laughs> no, fair enough. <laughs> no, I will. I'm genuinely, genuinely, I'll try that word again, um, <laughs> interested to listen to more because I do feel like it is such a slow, gradual change so far in these three albums yeah. that I can like see and just knowing from like the few songs I know in the future how much change there will be in her sound I'm really excited to like be like wait it's not country slash country pop country rock what yeah. do you mean <laughs> I'm really 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 excited for you to see what comes next so we'll just leave mm. that there <laughs> Thank you for joining us, Veronica. Yes, thank so you. Wonderful yeah. to get your your thoughts on this album. Thank you for having me. Yeah, as I said, I'm, I was thrilled to have an outlet for all my thoughts about this album because it's so simply dated, and none of my friends want to hear about it. So, <laughs> well, they're kind of here now. <laughs> yeah. I, I'll, I'll I'll send them all the podcast. Please. <laughs> uh, I never said what the title track was. The original title track. What's the title track, Daniel? Was it um, haunted? <laughs> was it haunted? I'm like, well, we got, we kind of got pretty far, and we learned it wasn't the answer. Wasn't last kiss, was it? It was not last kiss. Is it long live? I could see long live being an album title. No, it was not um, long live. So good, we're doing great. Everybody's doing awesome. <laughs> It was, in fact, Enchanted was the title that she originally oh, wanted for oh. the album. And I'm glad they steered a different direction. <laughs> well, as a as a big proponent of the song Enchanted, I really could have seen it um, capturing a more just, mature take on the fairy tale themes. But they're like, oh, Taylor, for sure. you've done fairy tales. You need something else. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That is our episode on Speak Now. Thank you to my two outspoken co-hosts, Rafe and Emily, and a big, big thank you to our amazing guest host, Veronica. Check out our Instagram at Taylor underscore podcast, and make sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks.